Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We are working our way towards the end of the Second Corinthian Epistle. We are in the last few verses of the 13th chapter, and we are very soon going to be putting this epistle behind us and moving on to another book in the Bible. But what do we find in these final verses, verses 8 through 14? And let me lay it out for you, and then we'll go back and take these up one by one. Verse 8, Paul's integrity. 9, Paul's prayer. 10, Paul's authority, 11, 12, and 13, Paul's desire, 14, Paul's blessing. And that'll do it. When we get to the blessing, we are done. Paul's integrity, verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Paul's integrity was that he was not willing, and it almost sounds like incapable, of putting self-interest or any other interest above the truth of God's Word. His life was completely controlled by the Word of God. That's integrity. He would not deviate from the Word of God, what it said, what it commanded, what it, for, what it forbade. He would not deviate from the Word of God for any reason whatsoever. He was not willing to compromise God's Word for any other advantage in life. And that, dear friends, is what God expects from all of us. And may God's Holy Spirit enable us to do exactly that. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, January 9. And many thanks to those whose financial support keeps us teaching God's Word on this station. Moving from Paul's integrity in verse 8, we come to Paul's prayer in verse 9. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you may be made complete. What is Paul's prayer? Well, it is for the strengthening of the believers, the Corinthian believers. We are weak, he says, and what he's talking about there is in this issue of his exercise of authority. It's come up a number of times previously. It was one of the things that his critics used to to, um, diminish him in the eyes of others. They said his bodily presence is weak. 
He doesn't come with authority. He doesn't come with power. He doesn't come wielding a club and making everybody obey him and and comply with his demands. That's not his leadership style. His leadership style, you remember, we've talked about it before, his leadership style is patterned after Christ, who was meek and lowly, though, as we know, when the occasion required it, he could be exceedingly forceful. Watch him drive the money changers out of the temple. Listen to him exposing the Pharisees and accusing them of hypocrisy of the greatest magnitude. And the Apostle Paul tells us in this chapter that he, too, is able to be strong when the occasion requires it. He can enforce his apostolic authority. He can bring judgment and penalties upon those who refuse to bow to the authority of God's Word. But that's not his style. He intends to exercise his ministry in a kind and gentle way as much as is possible, as long as is possible. And of course, how long that is possible depends entirely upon the response of the people he's ministering to. But we are weak in the exercise of authority, but you are strong. And when he says you are strong, he means that in a different sense, not the same way. Verse 9 again, for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. When you are strong in faith, when you are strong in obedience, when you are strong in self-examination and in the correction of sins and errors in your life, when you are strong in your Christian walk. We may be weak in the exercise of authority, but we are delighted when you are strong Christians. That's what he's saying. And so he is delighted when he finds strength in the believers, the right kind of strength. And he is interested in the healthy functioning of believers because he prays for this. We are glad when we are weak and you are strong, and this also we pray that you may be made complete or fully equipped, fully restored from your lapses in obedience and stumbling and falling along the way. But when you deal with these things in a Christ-honoring way, acknowledge them, confess them, and, and stop them, you are restored. We are delighted, and we pray for that. We pray for you, that you will be complete. It's a word that is used of mending nets in Matthew 4, 21. It's a word that in the Greek was often used for setting a bone. A bone that has been broken is set and is heals and is becomes complete. It becomes restored. It's used in the Greek language of outfitting a ship. When a ship is uh, getting ready to go on a long journey, First of all, it has to be completely outfitted with provisions and also with the necessary paraphernalia to make sure that the ropes that are needed for the journey are on board to, to be able to carry out the sailing operations and so forth and so on. And when a ship is fully prepared for the journey, it is complete, the word that is used here. It is fitted out. It is equipped. 
The word is also used in the Greek language for equipping an army. It's not just enough to have men, but you have to have the proper equipment. You have to have the proper weapons. You have to have the proper armor. You have to have the proper tools that will be needed in warfare. And so when an army is properly equipped, then it is complete. That's the word that is used here. It is fitted out. It is equipped. And so the word has the meaning of being fitted out, equipped, restored, healed, properly functioning. In other words, functioning in a healthy, proper way. Listen, folks, we are all sinners. We are all broken. But in the grace of salvation, we are mended. And we have the power of God to mend those broken areas of our lives. It seems like some Christians never manage to to do that. They stay in this broken condition year after year after year, and there's something wrong with that because God's Word, ministered by God's servant and applied to our hearts by God's Spirit, will restore the broken. Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus restores those who are broken. And that's what Paul is praying for. He's praying for the strength of believers, that they may become strong. He's praying for the healthy functioning of believers. That's Paul's prayer for them. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete, fully equipped, fully furnished unto every good work. Paul prayed that for the Corinthians. Paul prayed that for the members of all of his churches. That's the kind of prayer that we ought to pray for ourselves and for others. Lord, help me to be fully restored. Help me to be fully mended. Help me to be fully repaired. Help me to be fully equipped. Help me to be fully functioning. I know that that's possible. I know that you've given the resources for that to take place, but I need I need a lot of things to make that happen. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your, your informing my mind. I need your removing hindrances. I need you to enlighten my understanding so that I see what needs to be addressed. I want to be a strong, healthy, well-functioning Christian, and I pray that that's what I may be, and that's what I pray for others. That's what I pray for my children, don't you? That's what I pray for my spouse, don't you? That's what I pray for my fellow church members, don't you? That's Paul's prayer. But then we'll move at least for a few minutes on to Paul's authority in verse 10, where he says, Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for, not for destruction. What is Paul talking about here? Well, he says that he has authority to correct the erring. He wrote 
his first epistle to correct things that were wrong in the Corinthian church. It was a correcting letter. He wrote the second epistle to correct other things that were amiss in the Corinthian church. He wrote another correcting letter. Now, Paul has made it clear that he would avoid having to continue this this uh, correcting procedure, this, this correcting activity, when he's present with them. When he's present with them, he would like to be there simply as an instructor, an encourager, a teacher, a companion. But if there are things that need to be corrected, he will deal with them, and he will exercise whatever authority is necessary to get those things corrected. Paul has been given by Christ authority to correct those who are in error and need correcting. Paul has been given authority by Christ to build the church, the church at Corinth, indeed churches all over the Roman Empire that he has established and some that even he hasn't established, but have come under his authority, under his ministerial jurisdiction as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he's been given this kind of authority to minister to churches, to remove impediments to, to full gospel functioning in the churches, to see churches developed so that they can advance. And therefore, if Paul comes with a whip, so to speak, it will only be because it is merited. He would prefer not to come that way. He normally won't come that way. But if necessary, he will because he must. He may seem weak, but watch what he does when correction needs to be taken care of. And then you'll find out that he's not weak in person at all. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.